Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. Imagine making a difference. No, imagine being the difference. The difference between I can't and I can or I won't and I will. The reason someone chooses to wake up and strive for greatness. In life, it can feel like everything is working against you. Let's defy all odds and break generational curses. This is Overstepping Poverty with Daquan and Zacchaeus. Welcome back to Overstepping Poverty, the podcast that provides you with tips, tricks, and hacks in overstepping poverty. My name is Daquan Brooks, and I'm here with my co-host, Zacchaeus Shaw. How you doing, Zacchaeus? I'm doing great, man. Yeah. I'm doing great. Again, of course, excited to be back in the studio with some amazing people, some of my favorite people. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I feel good. It's uh, it's another day, another day to feel blessed, honestly. Mm-hmm. People don't say it enough, but I mean, you got to be thankful every day that you're walking this earth, taking another breath, doing things that many others can't do, you know? So for sure, I feel good. I'm always grateful, um, even though I do have some of my days where I'm just like lacking in the, in the motivational um, side of things there. But then I get up and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, it's a day to feel great. So yeah. I'm here. Let's yeah. go. That's awesome. What is a, a win that you had today? Um, a win that I had today, I would say is, well, one in my everyday business itself. Of course, you know, I'm in vehicle sales for Billy and Toyota. Um, we were able to help uh, additional families uh, get into their next vehicle transportation. Nice. You know, it's, it's definitely needed. I know um, once COVID hit, everyone was like, oh, only businesses that are like, mandatory needed like hospitals things like that vehicle business of course uh dealerships and stuff like that that didn't shut down right because transportation is a need for everyone you takes you takes you to uh, school takes you to the place that you're making money or anything like that so hospital exactly this is this is a necessity so it's always nice to be able to help people um fulfill that necessity so that's awesome what's a win for you a win for me today is my quarterback for my seventh grade team mm-hmm. was throwing dimes. Ooh. He was dropping dimes today. And not going to lie, we're on a three-game skid right now, and it's been kind of rough. So mm-hmm. we had to go back to the basics, get back to the drawing board. Literally took a whole day at the end of last week where we were in the classroom and we were drunk, like going through everything yeah from start to finish and i think that really helped them just kind of taking a step back to move forward so definitely a win because i don't like get blown out right it, it happened twice in a row so oh, man. definitely had to take that l uh, and learn from it but i'm excited to get into our podcast today mm-hmm. We have a very special guest on the podcast somebody very special to me she is an entrepreneur, owner of her own small business yes. um, called Beats by Mo. She's done a really good job of helping students and kids at risk youth um, really find themselves through a lot of cool different beadwork ideas and things like that. So I'm excited to introduce my sister, 
Monique Renville. Welcome, welcome. Let's Hello, go. Friends. Hello, friends. I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Yes, Absolutely. Excited to have you. Yes. Yeah, so I want to actually just jump right into this here. Now, obviously, Zacchaeus grew up with you. He knows exactly how you grew up and maybe he can't tell you tell your full story. And that's exactly why we have here you here so you can do that. But I'd like to start off just at the beginning, how you grew yeah. up. You know what I'm saying? Very Okay, let's start. So I was born in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Older brother, you're five years older than me. Yep. I would say, I don't remember much at that time, but when we moved to Las Vegas, that's mm-hmm. where a lot of my first memories come from. It was a great time there. It was a great atmosphere. The diversity and just the friends um, that we made through our childhood was really influential i would say yeah um yeah. i have a younger brother elliot he is five years younger than me so he was like your firstborn that was my firstborn baby <laughs> yeah i was very i yeah i have always been like a strong-willed child mm-hmm. so that was my child as soon as he came from home from the hospital it was i got it <laughs> i love it but then he started you know he grows up mm-hmm. yeah we grow up it's crazy um, He's a little bit more annoying, you know, but, <laughs> right. but no, it was a good childhood, but it did have its struggles. I would say Sure. both of my parents struggle from mental illnesses. So I feel like mm. growing up and seeing that kind of gave me the edge as far as like my work today, mm-hmm. just knowing uh, their struggles and knowing at a young age and how to deal with that and deescalate it kind of brought me to a lot of good places in my life there has been a lot of trial and tribulations we for did not sure. get along <laughs> for no. the longest time i was gonna ask like how you know what i'm saying like especially no. growing up with two boys and you're in between you know <laughs> the middle child we yeah. have different perspectives obviously mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but go ahead i you you tell your story girl well okay so zacchaeus was always the older cooler but the bully Uh, you were the bully in my eyes so he would just do (laughs) little things to set me off the Mm -hmm. smallest things and um so i obviously reacted i was loud (laughs) i would scream that house down i would tattle all of it um so we kind of had our moments a lot of moments where it was like i hate you no i hate you Mm -hmm. but i would say when we moved back to south dakota from las vegas when i was 11 you were 16 I would say that's when we got close. We lived in our grandpa's old house. He had passed away. I don't know how far in advance. Yeah. I mean, he he passed away from Grandpa Jim. Jim, Yeah. He passed away from skin cancer, I believe. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. we moved into his um, house and it just, it honestly creeped me out. It was a Mm -hmm. creepy home. It just was older. I was kind of off to my own corner of the house. He was all the way downstairs. So it was just... Not fun, but I would say at that point, that's when our parents got divorced as well. Mm -hmm. And he became my best friend. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of nightmares around that time. So do you remember this? I would always come down to your Mm -hmm. room. Yep. Yep. Taught me that throw some water on your face. Got to move on from it. Wake up from it. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'd fall into like movie marathons. So Friday, (laughs) Friday after that. Next Next Friday. Friday. Next Friday. All of it. So... I was 11 years old. I could say those were my favorite movies. That was my favorite mm-hmm. interaction quality time with you. And that grew our relationship quite a bit. But yeah, we moved around a lot. Yeah, we, we really did. did. So it was one of those things that your friends weren't 
throughout your life. It was right. two years at a time. And I played mm-hmm. softball growing up. So I was lucky to have those friends, but it was always just kind of us. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that was helpful to have you. I'm very close with my cousin Chops and he lived with us yeah, for a did. bit. And that was good. It was nice. I've always liked having brothers. I didn't really yeah. ever want a sister just because mm-hmm. I know I'm a lot. I'm drama. <laughs> I just, you know, I, mean, I know I'm a lot. So Extra. to have two of me, mm-hmm. you know. Better for so, you to say that than anyone else, right? It, oh, and I so. knew it. I knew what I was about. That's <laughs> right. the worst part. That is the worst part. So mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of, I don't know, I would do a lot of little different mind games to make me more self-aware of my behaviors. Like, mm-hmm. that was kind of not nice to him. That was kind of rude. Like that is actually your flesh and blood, and he's the only one that puts up with you. They probably stop. They they say or she says I was the bully, but I feel like she was the bully. Oh my! I'm just a little sibling rivalry here. (laughs) Of course, but yeah. So I would say I grew a lot due to Zacchaeus's teachings. He's Mm -hmm. always been like a father figure to me. So that's been very influential in my life as far as like you know the school projects or it's like write about your hero or who Mm. inspires you yeah so i always had moments where i was like this is my guy even when i would go home and be like i can't stand you Mm -hmm. secretly that's my best friend for life i love that i love that so growing up of course with two brothers you know moving from vegas to sioux falls moving around not being able to really have that that friendship, that group of, of people, which actually when you're younger, I feel like that's something that you really strive for. You strive to be into like a group to fit mm-hmm. in. You know what I'm saying? Um, it sounds like you found yours through family yeah. and whatnot. So I want to know what is your like your biggest takeaways from Zacchaeus mm-hmm. growing up? Because everyone gets to hear his story and gets to listen to Zacchaeus on this podcast, it's nice to have someone that grew up with them be able to tell a little bit more and give a little bit more background. For sure. I would say a lot of it, like we have different dads Mm -hmm. and I knew that at a very young age, I found out I had another half uh, brother at a young age. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those things where I was like, hmm, how do I get through all of these different life things? You know, our parents are fighting we fight every, it's just constant chaos. So I feel like I have always been taught and learned through Zacchaeus that like blood is not always thicker than water. Like Mm -hmm. you can go and create, create family through softball. You created a lot of family through football. Mm -hmm. So that in turn brought me in. So I was a part of that family too. So I was Mm -hmm. the cheerleader for his team when Mm -hmm. we were younger. And my biggest thing is like, I wanted to play football. I always wanted to do what he was doing with him. We'd play in the streets, but just getting to know everyone. I'm very fortunate that I did go to school with so many different ethnicities surrounding me because I did get to know just a lot of different families and cultures and was invited to be a part of those. So Mm -hmm. it was a really neat experience. And just like moving back here for my teenage years, it's just it's kind of shell shocking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very different. Absolutely. So that kind of helped shaped me i would say is having all of those different connections and it not no one cared what you were yeah. essentially i was always thought as uh, as hispanic but i am native american and white so mm-hmm. they don't see that a lot down there right. i would say 
but yeah, it was nice. We were all different and it was yep. fun. That actually leads me into my question that I wanted to talk to you about. And it's about being native American or Indian. What would you say is the proper terminology when you're talking about? This is a great question. I would say native American is safe. Indigenous is like the top tier term you can indigenous. use. Indigenous. Okay. Yes. So indigenous meaning um, the people of this earth, or not of this earth, but of this country. They are from this land. place, this sure. land. Yeah, that's how I've known to like to be preferred and people surrounding me. Mm-hmm. But the term Indian, it kind of just, I don't know, it's 2023. We, It's not necessarily a term any of us have really been a fan of, especially because it does get us mixed in with, you know, people from India. So it's like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of confusion between the two races and like, why are you called this, but not this. And just, Mm -hmm. it just, I feel like it's better to differentiate us. So a native American or indigenous is the best. Mm -hmm. So as an indigenous woman who is biracial, Mm -hmm. you, and also moving around as much as you have, there's oftentimes a disconnect between somebody that is biracial, not from the reservation and people that are from the reservation. Right. Mm -hmm. What would you say is like, do you feel that or do you experience that? And kind of how has that impacted you as you've grown up? hundred percent, honestly growing up. So my dad is native and black. Um, My mom is full white. So growing up in our household, it was, I always thought I was black and native. Yeah, my mom's white, but we're in Las Vegas, we're tan. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, you know, that I'm lighter than what I am. Mm -hmm. I would say many points throughout my life where I had like that identity crisis, Mm. Um, especially moving back here and just seeing so many people like me and knowing that they are like me. Right. There's not necessarily... What I've learned now today is that we all are just feeling uncomfortable with our identity. And it has right. a lot to do with the generational trauma, the lack of tradition, routine, family members being there for each other right. in some instances. So I feel like a lot of people were struggling with that. But for me, I jumped into like wanting to learn more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandma on mom's side, mm-hmm. she's full white. She wanted me to learn more, too. So she taught me how to loom bead, which is different from what I'm doing now. But that is what kind of, you know, got my hands on beads for the first time. Thread. Yeah. Cool. But when I was 18, turning 19, I taught myself how to bead when I was living on my own for the first time. And that was a pretty hard time to get Mm -hmm. through. Very hard. Um, And teaching yourself, yourself something new at a hard time is like asking to just have a tough, tough day, yeah. tough time, you know? Yeah. Very frustrating. So I just told myself though, I'm tired of giving up on small things. I really want to try. Mm-hmm. I want to be good at something that I have introduced to myself. That was important to me. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just feel like everything we're influenced by so much, but yeah. I wanted to search for something that I could be creative I could kind of, because I struggle with ADHD and moving around. Like right now, it's kind of hard to sit down right here. Um, But that helped me to sit still because you are keeping both hands busy. You're keeping your mind busy. It's like Mm -hmm. you got numbers, you got a design, Mm -hmm. a pattern. So it's like 
you're engaged without having to be, you know, in your head, just focusing on all the things you don't want to focus on. You're in the zone. Absolutely. And there's a lot of creativity that is behind that as well. You know, and, and not a lot of people have that creative mindset to be able to take one little thing, put it together with thousands of other pieces and really build something out of it. So I commend you for that. Um, And also that actually kind of jumped us ahead to what you do actually for, you know, for a living. Like you're, he, uh, sorry, Zakia said, introduce you as an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'd like you to just share with our viewers, you know, what business you own and. Absolutely. So let's say I started beating in 2020, 2019, and then I moved back to suit. This was in Idaho. I was being, I was nannying for a family. It was we'll get to that. A good experience. Okay. And then fast forward, I brought it here. I was living with Zacchaeus and he was a really huge driving force. This was during COVID. Mm-hmm. And I had no confidence really in it at all. But he pushed me. Like he just spoke so much into me that I was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna keep going with this. Mm-hmm. So I would say that helped me a lot. But right now my focus has been on teaching kids because I enjoy creating. But I don't necessarily love selling a product, uh-huh. especially mm-hmm. my beadwork. That's hard for me to put a price on. I would love if it didn't take hours on it. It's a pretty, it's time consuming. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I didn't have to, that would be great. So I've started to think like, what can I do? What can I do? And I started working at Children's Home Society here in South Dakota, Sioux Falls. Yep. And um, I had the opportunity to teach kids how to beat and Mm -hmm. that the kids there, they soaked it up like sponges and that got me like hungrier for it to want to learn more, how to teach, how to draw them in, how I, but you know, had my frustrations and I turned it into a therapeutic moment. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to share that. And it, it has gone so well. Absolutely. Thankful for it. What's the name of your business? Oh, beats by Mo. Beats by Mo. Check her out on social media. I got the bracelet on right now. The Shador. Hey. We coming. You're so cute. So with your business and wrapping that all in, kind of back to my original question with, you know, being biracial. I want to go back to that for a little bit. Mm -hmm. How has beadwork and learning how to bead and teaching kids that are from your reservation, Mm -hmm. how to bead, how has that helped you with your identity? If anything, involving kids, I don't know if you guys have both worked with kids. So you sometimes have to fake that confidence. You do to sell what you're doing, to make them intrigued in what you're doing, Mm -hmm. um, for them to even feel like they have an ounce of capability in it. Uh, So I just made it really important to... You know, it's important to learn this, um, but don't necessarily just do it for the technique and to make something cool and awesome. There's more to it. Like there's different techniques. I have five different techniques that I go through Mm -hmm. um, and they're each different and therapeutic in their own way because some are longer projects, some are shorter. Mm -hmm. Some you're working with one beat at a time. Some you're working with like 50 beats at a time. So it's like a step up progress for them, but also for me. And I would say with teaching my boys at Children's Home, they've only had negative experiences 
with because they're all from the reservation. Mm-hmm. So they've only had negative experiences. And I just told myself, like, this is something I can fake it till I make it, teach them, try mm-hmm. and teach them mm-hmm. how to do it. And I had a lot of success with it. Like these earrings were made by a kid of mine. Wow. Yeah, he was 11 at the time, and I think this was his second project he completed. But wow. some nice. of them stuck with it for months, their whole stay at Children's Home. And for me, that brought a lot of, I don't know, security in what I'm doing and who I am. Like, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily downplay myself as much. I feel like I'm more confident with talking to my own people. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I'll go, I used to go up to native people and feel inferior because I'm not as dark as them. Mm-hmm. Growing up, my grandma would call me white girl pearl because I'm very light. So it's mm-hmm. one of those things that you just have to take it in mm-hmm. and just kind of make it your own and make it a good thing. Right. You know, and th- there's a lot of kids out there like me. Yeah, there there's is. There's a lot of mixed kids out there. And we, I'm able to connect with all the mixed kids I come across because they, they feel it. They understand. Mm-hmm. And I can understand, and that's hard for them to do here in Sioux Falls or for people to connect with. For sure. And that just points to the fact that we all have so much more in common than we think, Mm -hmm. right? Whether you're Native and Black or you're White and Asian or whatever it might be, or really just any gender or race or anything, um, a lot of people, like you said earlier, do struggle with that identity. Yeah. And I think... Unless you have a purpose, you will always struggle with your identity mm-hmm. because it's like, what are you doing? Exactly. And if you don't know what you're doing or if you don't do what feeds your soul, you can oftentimes feel lost and frustrated. And I think that that's a big thing for somebody like you or just anybody to pick something up, mm-hmm. teach yourself and find it as a release and then also take that and now you're teaching other people how to do the same thing and in turn it's helping them with their mental health Mm -hmm. you told me about a story um when you went to axdell park Mm -hmm. and worked with the joe foss kids about how some of the kids that would never sit through class would sit through your teaching can you talk about that story so i met don marie through you amazing woman i appreciate her so much she has introduced me to so many people that are like-minded and want to learn and that's the biggest thing is finding people that want to learn a lot of people are so closed off to the idea of learning right now that it's unfortunate but going to the school i did i want to say it was a four-day course i would go for two three hours and i had like a waiting list i had so many people this was like my first big like first beating class I had a waiting list and I was like this is insane oh my goodness and come to find out like a couple of them were kids that were struggling to go to school or stay in the classes at the school the alternative school but they would show up for my beating classes and stay the whole time Mm -hmm. with no issues these were kids that were struggling like there were a couple fights that broke out while I was there teaching these were kids that were able to you know oh I want to beat them so bad but i'm gonna stay out of it and it's Mm -hmm. you know you get to run into these situations through just trying to teach beadwork and it's Mm -hmm. like these are all moments where you know it's therapeutic the art of it but also the connection of teaching it Mm because for me i'm very 
much it takes a village to teach our kids. Right. So I'm sure. not afraid to give my two cents on anything, mm-hmm. especially to kids. <laughs> they need to learn. So I agree. Therapy has been a huge, or like the therapeutic aspect of beating has been the huge drive of why I want to share it. Yeah. Cause I have never been able to calm down like that before. So that's awesome. That's awesome. There's one thing that I have always known about you from the day that I met you. One, you're a very energetic person, you know, very positive as well. But one thing that I've really attached myself to um, that I've actually seen out of Zacchaeus these last few years as well is you're a very spiritual person as well. So I want you to actually discuss that with us as well. Like what kind of got you into being so like spiritual? Like, cause I'm trying to find myself kind of in that perspective as well and so i want to hear more from you so i would say it starts from childhood um in our house we weren't allowed to believe in god that was not a thing i would get in trouble for trying to have conversations with my dad about god um my mom being catholic she did what we went to a christian church i believe when we went when we went but i would go more so with my mom to that and my dad was not happy about these outings he didn't want to hear about it he and i get it as far as like our generational trauma a lot of our abuse stems from trying to who's our you gotta be sorry native american indigenous people Mm -hmm. you know they we had to assimilate to their religion and for that a lot of abuse was used sexual Mm -hmm. physical mental Mm -hmm. all of it so for i don't want to speak for my dad but from like his outlet that was or from his perspective i believe it was like that's the devil in Mm -hmm. a sense i didn't want to take on his teachings though i didn't like thinking of the world as so negative right i didn't want to keep the cycle going even at a young age i realized that and being surrounded by so many different people that i just dubbed as having normal families you know families that go to church do things like families Mm -hmm. that wasn't a thing we weren't allowed to talk about that or at least Mm -hmm. i wasn't so but i don't now i feel like i've just had to very much learn how to be self-aware my whole Mm -hmm. life i've had to be self-aware So that's where my spirituality comes from is I am capable of doing all these things. Yes, believing in a higher power is great. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I am the driver. I am the one that is pushing through and doing all these things. So it's one of those things that I believe is, I don't know, it is very vital and important to life, Mm -hmm. um, having a religion or a spirituality. I don't knock anyone Mm -hmm. for what they believe in. But I do think it's important to have one because you do need like that, that compass. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I use the word spiritual on purpose mm-hmm. rather than religious, just mm-hmm. because whenever someone thinks of religion, it's affiliated to a God mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I don't think that everyone has to have a God that they yeah. need to speak to. I think everyone has to have someone to speak to. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, whether it's your, I mean, imaginary person or anything like that. Someone that you truly believe that is always with you. So then whenever you feel like you need someone to talk to and there's no one physically present, Mm -hmm. you can speak to this person and really get those things off of your mind, off of your subconscious, you know, Mm -hmm. um, on that. So that's why I always say spiritual and that just because, you know, it helps you through so many different stages in life. And I've noticed that. 
I mean, even when I was growing up, you know, and, and I grew up in the church I, every mm-hmm. Sunday, Wednesday, I'd go to the church and most people like me who grew up in the church and was kind of forced into it by your mm-hmm. parents, like you're going, I kind of fell out of love for the church. And so then I finally found that, that thing, that higher power, that spirituality, you know, that I can, that if I'm in a dark place, I can sit back and I can sit down and I can really discuss. And I know that makes to some people are like, Oh, you're crazy. You're crazy. I get that a lot though. Mm -hmm. I really do. There have been times where I have been strongly judged for it. Um, and I've always, always have tried to be respectful because I'm firm and you can believe in what you want. Mm -hmm. Um, just be respectful about it. Right. And for some people, it was like, no, we have to, you have to pray. You have to say this. And mm-hmm. It's like, I will sit here very nicely like this and just wait until you guys are done. I don't want to take attention or anything away from you guys, but I'm not going to put myself through something uncomfortable just to make everyone else around me happy. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily who I am. Right. And working at Children's Home, it is a Lutheran-based yep. place. So we do. we did have Sunday school every Sunday and I enjoyed it because I got to learn. Mm-hmm. I didn't know a lot and the kids enjoyed teaching me mm-hmm. through it, but they also learned quite a bit too. Cause I wasn't very outwardly spoken about my beliefs, especially with little young kids. Mm-hmm. I don't want to derail them from their goals of trying to work through their trauma in that moment. You know, right? I don't need to add to it, but I do challenge them to, you know, you talk to God, but do you talk to yourself? Mm-hmm. How do you talk to yourself? How are we reacting to certain things? Does that make mm-hmm. you happy? You know, what <laughs> is going to fill your cup yep. in that sense? Because sometimes people put so much into belief and religion and there's not enough action. Mm-hmm. And that makes me sad. It does. Yeah. And we've had a lot of people on the podcast that are religious and they're very spiritual based. And I think it's great on both ends. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. whether you're Christian or you're Muslim or you're atheist or you're Buddhist, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think it's really cool. Like for me, growing up that way, church, like she said, really wasn't a thing. But moving from Las Vegas public school and I moved here and yeah. I went to Old Gorman. Right. Um, and I think I had a really good attitude about it because I was like, I'm already here. I have to take a religion class. Kind of like the same. It's fun to learn but i definitely had questions right and honestly it wasn't until like the last couple years for me and that's why i said journey at the beginning because it's literally and it doesn't stop like your spirituality your religion whatever you believe in your beliefs i think over time should change on Mm -hmm. on different things and there's things that happen in your life that can change your beliefs strongly Mm -hmm. and i think that it is just a journey for people and i agree i think people need to be respectful because one person may be a non-believer, quote unquote, today, but a week from now something might happen and they'd be like, no, like I know that God is real because there's no way I should be here today or you know, right. some example that happened. So I think it's a journey for people and I yep. think it's really cool to see people on their journey and then know them over time and see how much they've grown. You can just kind of tell when people are like, no. I'm good spiritually, whether it's believing in a God or not. Yep. You can tell a lot of times when people are secure in that in that Absolutely. aspect. So yeah. I think that's a really good thing for people to sit and think about. And you talked about 
it coming through you and you're the one that doing that's doing it that was a part of my journey honest for me there was like a i don't know if it was like a realization where it's like if god made you in his image then you're a god to me mm-hmm. right so if he made you like god what are you and so when i started to believe like that it was like okay i can create anything i want Right. Because God is a creator of all things. So if I'm a God, I can create everything in my entire life. Now, I think saying that you're a God in another sense is almost too much pressure. Mm-hmm. Because, again, he's a creator of all things, good and bad. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just a lot. But everybody's on their own journey. So I really. Truly. Like yeah. And I respect it. And go you guys. Because mm-hmm. just the ambition that people have regardless of what their religion is, I have so much like admiration for it. Mm-hmm. Like good for you. Right. Keep going. I want to get into um, what I said we would get into later. And that was your experience. Cause there's the people that are listening to this right now. They might be in high school. They might be a senior and they might be thinking about going to college. Mm-hmm. And I want you to talk about your experience of going to college and then kind of we'll get into how how life went for you after that. Okay. So, yeah, what was your experience with college? Let me start at the beginning. It won't be long. Oh, you a, you a. All right, all right. Okay, so. I love you so much. Okay, anyways, as being a Native American woman as I am, I have been able, there's been, Doors open for me, fortunately, as far as like education goes. Some people don't know, but we do have board or we did have boarding schools here for Native American children. And those boarding schools are no longer acting for the ones that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, But they offer free tuition to Mm -hmm. kids for college. The University of Morris, Minnesota is where I went very briefly for three months. Thank you. Three months. Mm-hmm. Three months. Yes. I swear it was three days. No, it truly wasn't. Okay. Thank you. Three months. Um, I brought my dog, my emotional support animal that I I got her at 14. Your bear. Big English massive, my big <laughs> baby. Yeah. She came with me. She did so good. It was she was the best part of that experience. Right. Um, I did not like it. Right. I did not fit in well. I did not see anyone that looked like me. I, as I, that can sound bad, but mm-hmm. that's just how I felt. Right. And there, Security. yeah, it is. And it was one of those things where I was so far away from my family, but also far away from everything because it's in a small town. Yeah. And I just wasn't <clears throat> vibing with with Morris, so I quickly left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After a month of. Two months of classes, because I lived there, I think, for a month before classes. Well, kudos to you for giving it a try. Yeah, for sure. But then I came back and tried out the university center here in Sioux Falls. And that went a lot better. I was able to, you know, live with mom, (laughs) um, but also get my credits. And Mm -hmm. it was a way better experience. My grades and my GPA went up, and they were very thankful that I did that. Mm -hmm. Um, But right now I'm taking a break from education yeah i would Mm -hmm. like to go back but for me i don't like to force myself to do things that i don't have you know the conclusion on or a clear picture so i wasn't sure sure what i wanted to go into yeah i enjoy kids but who's to say that's gonna be me my whole life 
right. about when I want to have my own kids. Do I want to be working with kids soon? Mm-hmm. The answer is no. Right. So it was important for me to just get the basics done and then I'll come back when I'm ready. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was. So I want times. you to go into and I didn't mean to just target on the education part. I, yeah. I really like the aspect of like Quan said, you went to school, you tried it out. It wasn't for you. Then you decided to move all the way down to Texas. Yes, I did. And you're gone for a few years. You talk about how that was a really tough time, but there was good times. I called you a couple times in full meltdown. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I want moments. you to talk about that, though, because there's not a lot of people that will just up and leave and go to another place. I know at the time, I'm like, what is your plan? And... No, you know, there wasn't really a plan. There was no plan. (laughs) And so I probably had my doubts, but at the same time, I felt like, well, she'll be fine. Like, she's good. She'll be fine. Mm -hmm. What is that experience like to just up and leave and figure it out, essentially? Man. Yeah, that was a very scary time in my life, I will say, because it was I met I worked at Wells Fargo for six months. You guys mm-hmm. remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I met this guy named James, and he was in the military. And one day, like, we had worked together for that time and were consistently close. And he had asked, like, maybe you can just come to Texas with me when I quit, you know? And I'm like, bet. Okay, let's go. Yeah. I'm putting in my two weeks right now. And he's like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, I will go right now. I have nothing holding me right now. Mm-hmm. I was living with my mom. I was not in agreement with her choice of men at that time, very mm-hmm. much so. And I, like I said, am not afraid to say things. That didn't always go over well. And it just, <laughs> yeah, I had to go. It was yeah. time to go. Right. Um, yeah. But it was important for me to kind of prove people wrong in a sense too. Unfortunately, as petty as that sounds, it's one of those things where my dad was disappointed that I dropped out of school. You just ruined your life. You know, you're done. That's terrible. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You're not going to couch surf. And it's like, no plan. I knew that actually. Thank you. I don't plan to couch surf. You know, mm-hmm. I right. have this figured out. And when I got there, I did not have it figured out. I could not find a job for the first month and a half. I luckily was a really good saver at the time. So that helped me. But I just had to sit down and ask, like, what am I good at? Mm-hmm. Watching kids. I've always <laughs> had a maternal instinct since I was young. Like, Elliot was my baby. When I was in elementary school, my parents would go to work before we went to school. So it was, you know, I got to get myself and you ready for school. We got to walk to the bus stop. So I understood the importance of safety, routine, Mm -hmm. stuff like that at a very young age. So it was just something easy to fall into. And the gold mine of Texas sounds terrible, and but there's a lot of deployments. And unfortunately, that leaves a lot of mothers without care for their mm-hmm. kids, especially mm-hmm. nights. Because mm-hmm. um, they got to work. They got to work. Right. You know, so I began nannying for about four different families I rotated through. And I made the best money in my life doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I sleep? Not really. Did I bring my dog to every home? Pretty much Yes. Like Kaya went everywhere with me. That was important because I didn't want to be a bad mom. Mm -hmm. And I also just wanted to help. I felt so bad for these moms. Like Mm -hmm. I had one who had a one and a half year old and just gave birth to newborn twins. 
Wow. Yeah. And her husband was on deployment for another six months, you mm-hmm. know? Right. So it was just really hard to watch her go through that, but also be a part of it. But it was a great eye opener. Mm. I've tried for all my experiences, like to learn something of value um, for everything. I believe in learning the hard way. Mm. You yeah. know, you get the best results from hard work, right. and the hard path sometimes. So I, yeah, I would just keep doing that, rotating between families. And then I met one family who fell in love with me. Mm-hmm. And they actually wanted me to move in for a bit, declined that. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, they wanted to keep me long term. And mm-hmm. the mom was pregnant and looking to get out of the military because she was a medical doctor, military doctor mm-hmm. at the time. And she wanted to get out of the military and move to Idaho to open her own practice. And they paid for me to come out with them, mm-hmm. with the family. So they had two little kids, and I was a huge part of their life for two years. Those were my kids, you know? Big parts of their life. Yeah. yeah, It was every day when we first moved to Idaho, I lived with them for the first two months. The most stressful thing ever. I just, I uh, got stomach ulcers from all the stress and anxiety that, you know, my mom threw my mom, sorry. My mom. My mom flew <laughs> me back uh, <laughs> to Sioux Falls to take care of me. That was like the first sign that I was like, I'm doing too much. This is too much. And then I began getting bored. Like, there's, I was limited at that time. As soon as I moved with them, they started limiting me quite a bit more in certain aspects. And that just kind of gave me some red flags to the point where I decided it was time to move on. Mm-hmm. I moved back home. And that's where I started at Children's Home, which is yeah. never boring. Right. Ever. Always something going on. Right. Yeah. So I've had my traveling, but Idaho is where I picked up beating. Mm-hmm. That's when mm-hmm. I was truly, I had bought my first apartment all to myself after moving out of their house. Beautiful mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. But I just, it was my own space. So I was able to do so many things that I wasn't prepared for. I still right. felt like a, like a big kid. Um, mm-hmm. So it was fun. It was, but it had its very lonely moments. But I feel like everyone has to go through that at least once. Would you say that was your hardest time? In my entire life. Like in your adulthood? Oh, well, yeah. Me personally, yes. As far as different, bigger things family-wise, no. But that was a huge yeah. growing thing for me. The reason I say that is because they say a lot of people find their passion or the things that they are called to do or they're calling mm-hmm. in hard times. Yeah. In hard times. And you finding your therapy through your bead work and yeah. Yeah. Those good times. You know, there's something to say about that. I always get I always say kudos to people, you know. Um, one for you, of course, leaving college. Cause I think there's one thing that as our generation, we were pressured to go into college because we were always told you need to go to college to make a decent living. You know, and so then everyone, I mean, we're bought in, you know, we're going to go into college, we're going to invest, that's what we're going to do, we're going to invest into our future, but that's not the only way to go. And so it's kudos to you for leaving college, but also for our listeners out there who are afraid to really do, like, just on a limb, get up, move, who are afraid to really just throw everything into, like, what they really feel like is a calling for them, like, you guys got to do it. You have to do it. And that's, there's, it's one thing that I, I always think to myself, it's my, my grandma, my mom, you know, my uncle, you know, what are you going to do when you're going to grow up? 
what do you want to be? You know, and I think we should change that question to more of what inspires you? What are your ambitions? You know, what do you love? Those questions there, because asking that it's so much pressure and it's, it's kind of like forcing people into doing things that they actually don't love to do. And that's how people get mentally depressed. You know, Mm -hmm. that's how people end up wanting to just quit on everything that they do because they just, they're just like, I've had enough. I've had enough. Mm -hmm. Well, you've had enough because you're doing something that you aren't called to do. You're doing something that you don't love. You know, so again, kudos to you for going and doing the thing that you love that you felt like you were called to do, you know, so that's mm-hmm. huge. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. You never know where that, that path is leading yeah. you. I mm-hmm. thought I was going to be a radiologist. I'll be honest. That's mm-hmm. what I was going to school for. Yeah. That's what my, my mom was very huge on. Like, how would you? like oh i'm like okay i fell in love with that dream but then quickly realized like i'm not a monetary value Mm -hmm. like type of person right you know so yeah that's why it was very important for me to just take a step back and ask myself the hard questions of Mm -hmm. who am i doing this for yeah it's hard without the guidance though like if nobody is Mm -hmm. there to like yo this is what you're getting into as far as it when you're getting into college i had no idea Mm -hmm. i mean i am happy with my experience i've met great people this is happening right now it wouldn't have if we didn't go to college right so i paid a lot to have this relationship to go on yeah absolutely <laughs> i hope you're getting your money's <laughs> worth yeah, <laughs> right? to my long lost college i went broke i went girl. broke for you perfect. well let's get into our next uh well, before, before we do that, we do have one question that we ask everyone that's on the episode here. And I'm sure our viewers and our listeners right now, they're like, I know what the question is. Well, you do. <laughs> we want to know, you know, when someone says overstepping poverty, you've been seeing it a lot lately, mm-hmm. especially being brothers with one of the makers mm-hmm. in this year. What does overstepping poverty mean to you? Ah, oh, I love this question. I really do. Overstepping poverty to me, it's you guys have finally drawn attention to it. But mm-hmm. to me, I feel like it truly is something that you you have to be able to work through. I say it. Self-awareness. Mm-hmm. You have to be aware of your environment, what's going on around you, like your good influences, your bad influences. Mm-hmm. I was able to learn through other people's mistakes, and I'm very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. So that was something that, you know, I developed more of my own independent thinking, mm-hmm. which I feel at such a young age, kids don't have that necessarily. Um, but as far as overstepping poverty, my my dad, my parents have taught me a lot. I was a stand-in therapist for them at such a young age that I just feel like I've learned so much through their experiences, their trauma, their abuse, their days where they were broke and had nothing to their name. Yeah. So I learned a lot through that. I was a sensitive kid, so I soaked that in and I really paid attention to it. Mm -hmm. So I made it a point to learn from my surroundings, to learn through other people's stories and struggles. And that's, to me, how I've been able to overstep and stay out of some of the paths that I definitely could have taken. Absolutely. For sure. I love that. So that's always just being mind aware, self-aware, just learning, continuously grasping and not grasping just to take things in Mm -hmm. on that, but like really grasping situations and things to really learn from them Mm -hmm. to better yourself. Mm -hmm. 
So and put yourself in control. Absolutely. Yeah, you gain so much control. As soon as I can read your body language, mm-hmm. I feel like I have more control in this situation. Mm-hmm. Or if I can read what you really want to say or you're projecting or you're just trying to, you know, walk around something. Yeah. I I want to be able to understand what you're saying and I feel like a lot of people don't realize that they're so easy to read. Right. Or that they have not the best poker face. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you can call it being attentive, but just taking that stuff in also helped me realize to be more just less judgmental. Yeah. Just more aware that everyone's got a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And if I can just be kind or weird, like silly, I like to sing. So sometimes I'll burst out in a song and that takes people off guard. They're like, (laughs) whoa, girl. It's like, yeah. Right. Just have a little fun. So, yeah, I just, yeah. I love it. I do as well. So that actually brings us into our next segment of this episode. All of our viewers and listeners know exactly what it is. It is round table. Round table. Let's go. So this is the part where you can actually ask us questions. I know we've had you on the hot seat. Go ahead and put us on the hot seat. Ask away. I wonder when I want she to, was okay. practicing these questions. I don't doubt it. Here's the thing. This is my favorite thing to talk about. So with my childhood struggles, um, I forced myself to get comfortable with men and more dominant figures. Started working on an all-boys unit. That has desensitized me to a lot. Mm-hmm. But it also brought up this question I asked myself is like, Toxic masculinity and pride. I feel like that is such a huge thing with our young boys and men that I feel like are, as a female, I need a little inside scoop. Like, how do you guys think on it? What's your perspective or your, you know, example of, you know, honestly, my perspective on that is, is growing up, I feel like every single boy was told you need to be a man. Okay. You don't, you can't cry. No, don't cry. Suck up those tears. You need to be a man. Okay. Don't show any emotion. Don't, don't let that stuff out. No, you need to be a man. And we were told so much that we need to be a man that now as we grow to become men, we have those toxic traits. You know, we have that pride where we feel like we can't be vulnerable. You know what I'm saying? And it's these things that we're taught just younger. Like you're not your sister. You need to be a man. And that's what we kept being told. And so now when we're men and we're trying to, of course, be in a relationship with a woman or, or however, whatever relationship you're in, we're at a fault. We've, we were set up for, for failure because we kept being told we need to be a man. But really what is being a man? Being a man is, is being vulnerable. Being a man is someone that can confront those issues, that can confront those mistakes and and really step toward those emotions and gather those emotions. You know, that's being a man. Being a man is being able to really have that self-control in any situation. That's being a man. But it's also, guess what? It's being a woman. It's being human. That's what it is. But we were taught these things when we were younger And so that's my point of view. I think we were set up for just failure by being told that so many times. And so I challenge people out there to stop saying that to your kids. Stop saying that to your boys. Teach them 
that it's okay to be vulnerable, especially in the world that we live in right now. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay. If you got to cry, let it out, let it out. Don't hold it in because that's how people get become crazy. That's how people become depressed. That's how people just have these mental issues because they hold everything in. Mm-hmm. So no more, you need to be a man. Right. I like that. I think I have a little bit of a different perspective on it, although I agree with pretty much everything you said, mm-hmm. especially with the topic of like toxic masculinity. I think it's kind of like a trigger word in the media. And I think a lot of what being a strong man oftentimes gets confused with toxic masculinity because as a man and as a father, when it comes to raising a boy, you know what type of world it is today for men, right? Mm -hmm. It's a hard world. It's a hard world for women and men Mm -hmm. in general. It's hard for everybody. Mm -hmm. But I think where the perspective when it comes to being a little more hard on your son compared to their mother is they do need to get up. They do need to wipe those tears. I think it's important to teach them how to process those feelings and that it's okay to feel those feelings. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I need you to stand up. I need you to, I need to tighten up, son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I think there's a fine balance between it. And I think mm-hmm. it does take like, you know, encouragement. Sometimes it can be looked at as toxic masculinity. But what if it's just encouragement where you're encouraging mm-hmm. your son to like, are you really hurt or did you get scared by what's going on? I think that's processing those feelings. But when it comes to being vulnerable, mm-hmm. I think that that is the most important part of being a man because it's one of the hardest things to do as a man in, in life is be vulnerable and open up because of how society has set it up, right. you know, to where it's like, no, you need to be strong don't show your emotions. I don't exactly agree with that. I think mm-hmm. you should show your emotions in an appropriate way. And I don't think that that always is the easiest thing to do. But I don't know. I, I'm kind of a little indifferent about it. Because I'm I'm the person that thinks that it's kind of like a hate, a hate man, men era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that it's... It for a minute. I think it's really hard for men, and I don't think it's something that's really talked about a lot uh, because there's so many different narcissist words and just trigger words that are sent out to men because they have an opinion on something that Mm -hmm. somebody doesn't agree with. And so there's just a lot of inner work that everybody needs to do when it comes to relationships and communication. Um, but I don't really like the toxic masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get what it is, yeah. and I think there's levels to it. Mm-hmm. But I think you need a little bit of both. Yeah. Okay. What would you say is your advice to? I'm going to be showing this to my <laughs> unit of kids, so Absolutely. I really want them to take a piece from this that I'm seeing um, them struggle with. But their whole pride and needing to show that I'm better or I can do this better than you, Yeah, you know, and not, and they, they aren't allowing themselves to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and it's very unfortunate, but I'm also a female Mm -hmm. who's talking to them and that's hard. I feel like that's part of what I'm missing. Mm -hmm. So what would your advice be for your 10, 12 year old self as far as becoming a teenager man? 
and especially with pride is stop comparing yourself to the people around you because we were all born with different abilities. You know, everybody wants to be the cool kid or wants to be the best athlete or wants to be, you know, homecoming queen or king Justin or Jefferson. just Justin Jefferson. <laughs> yeah, but there's not, there's only one of each person. Quan's talked about it on past uh, episodes of like, just be you, you mm-hmm. know, and that is so hard when you don't know who you are. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, that's part of the journey. That's part of the process and understanding that this guy might be better than you at something, but he may have been practicing the last two years and you're just getting started. It's just comparison is the thief of joy. Is that what they say? Yeah, so I think thing I wrote that down. Did mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just stop comparing yourself to um, whether it's the people on your unit or the people in life and just focus on yourself. There was a something I was listening to this morning and it, it was talking about goals and it was like most people fail when they set their goals because they don't set them small enough. Mm-hmm. They set this big goal and expect to reach that goal so quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, I think it was Jordan Peterson, uh, and he was talking about set smaller goals for yourself. Mm-hmm. And day by day, if you're hitting those goals, you're going to get 1%, 2% better every day over time you've become so much better because of these incremental goals that lead you to where you're going. So for your people and your boys on your unit or people out there, I would say set goals. First of all, set attainable goals. And then if you have a big goal, set that big goal, but then break it down. Like, how are you going to reach that goal? Mm -hmm. Whether that's getting off the unit or whether that's graduating college or that starting your own business, you got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, what I would tell them is if you want to be a cool kid, you want to be the best at what you do, you got to be open-minded. You got to be always willing to learn. You have to always be able to adapt to whatever situation that you're in. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you this, you want to be like Justin Jefferson? Well, Justin Jefferson, I'm telling you, when he was younger growing up, he was always teachable. And what does that mean to be teachable? That means you have to take in information from whoever, whenever. When it comes to that there, you can make it your own, but take in the information. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing that a lot of generations, they don't want to be taught anything because they're stubborn. They have that pride issue. That pride. Exactly. toxic masculinity. That is. And you need to be teachable. So if you want to be a cool kid, you have to be teachable and you have to be willing to learn. If you're not willing to do either one of those things, I'm sorry. Mm. (laughs) You're not cool. (laughs) Thank you. You guys heard that. You heard it. it. You heard it. Listen, jot that down. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Okay. Okay. Love this. What else you got for us? How well do you handle disagreements between each other? What does that look like? (laughs) That's a great question. That is actually a great question. It's very passionate. It is. You guys are passionate people. That's why I'm asking this question. We are. I think we handle it better if we actually pick up the phone and call each other or meet with each other, hundred percent, I think the worst thing that him and I can do is because like you said, we're very passionate in what we're doing. We both have views on how to get to the same place that we're, that we both want to go, um, whether it's a different route to get there. But I think the biggest thing is, is, is the phone. It's, it's sending a text. It's those keyboard warriors. You know, you send, 
you send everything through just text and whatnot. And then there's so many things and mistakes that can happen when you do that, because one, no one knows exactly the kind of tone, like they're making mm-hmm. up their own tone in their head Two, your message isn't actually getting across just because you got a message sent, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And there's one thing that I've noticed, like when I do that and I'm just like, and my wife has told me too, Daquan, you just got to call. You got to call them. You got to set a meeting. You got to stop texting. Like it's just, it doesn't work. And I'm finally, and that's like, that's a growth thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I definitely think the times that we have disagreed, we needed to go through that to get to where we're at today. Um, and, and that's how you grow. So, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, all of what Daquan said, I think we, and we've talked about communication on, on the podcast before. It's something that you always have to work at, yes. mm-hmm. you know, and it's something where, uh, I can say one thing, Daquan can say the exact same words, but we could have two completely different meanings on on what we're trying to get across to each other. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, communication, and that's where anybody is going to be the most important thing and clarifying. I think we've gotten better at that, though. We have definitely have had our disagreements, and I think that that's healthy for any relationship to go through. Because if you're in a relationship where you just have no disagreements, then I don't think there's a lot of effort really being put into that relationship. That's a red flag. Yeah. I mean, we shouldn't always be agreeing on everything. Mm -hmm. And there's different things that he might want to do that I don't or vice versa. But finding common ground. Exactly. And and figuring it out, you know, and and putting our pride aside. Yeah. Got to get rid of that toxic masculinity. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) He's stuck on that. He said (laughs) red flag toxic (laughs) masculinity. I don't like talking about this stuff. I try not to even think about it. Gosh, maybe I have too much toxic masculinity. That's why I wrote that question down. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Just kidding. That's That's funny. Okay, so Something that I have found helps me a lot is practicing gratitude. Mm. Do you guys have coping skills that you use, um, that you go to daily? Coping skills that I use. Can you ask that question again? I'm sorry. So, like, I practice gratitude. I sing. I read. Those are my coping skills when things are getting hard, when I'm having a lot of thoughts. It's a whirlwind. What helps you? For me, uh, something that really helps me is I love to, I don't really think of it as like meditating, but when it's nice enough out, I love sitting outside with no music on, like leave my phone in the house and just either like look at the stars or look at, you know, the field in my backyard and just kind of visualize things. Or I talk to myself a lot, which sounds Mm -hmm. kind of crazy, but I do, you know, and I have feel like I have full on conversations, just kind of processing the things in my head. So I definitely notice when I leave my phone inside and I'm and I'm doing that, there's things that will cross my mind. And it's like when they cross your mind, those are the things you have to address. So start to think about those things, unpack those things. Why am I thinking about this? And then once I've done that, I kind of like envision water flowing and like kind of throw that image or topic in the water and it kind of washes away and then whatever crosses my mind i'll address that and you can do that until there's nothing that crosses your mind and i think once you get to that point you're able to really visualize what you want your future and things to look like because you've cleared your mind from all the mess so yeah that's something that i like to do mine's 
pretty simple, I guess. Uh, for me, I just I write. Yeah, I didn't. <clears throat> my know coping, that about you. my coping skill is if if I'm really deep down in the dirt, too much on my head, I just jot and I just write and I write and I write. Mm-hmm. Anything that comes to my mind or anything like that goes onto the paper, and if it's bad things, rip the page out, throw it away. Mm. So. And that's pretty similar. Just getting yeah. those things out of your head yeah. so you can yep. get it either out of your on the paper <laughs> and out of your head or just yeah. into the ether. Yep. Basically. I have a, a positive and a negative journal because I okay. don't want those next to each other. I like I don't know why. It's just one of those things that they have to stay in separate notebooks. I don't no, that want is cool. any energy to transfer i don't even want to flip through and be like yikes she's having a real dark day (laughs) you know what i mean so yeah i i didn't know that about you yeah these are good questions okay i feel like you guys do you have more yeah go ahead okay what does the behind the scenes look like like what is what process are you a part of what do you play what's your role i don't know if that we've really I mean, I can't say that we've really established roles quite yet, but there are things that I feel that Zacchaeus is better at than I am, and I'm probably more better at than he is. For me, I would say the behind the scenes on my part is going to be more of the business related, just because as far as my wife, she's she's a tax, she's in tax, she's an accountant. Um, so anything on that end, just making sure everything's correct. I usually follow her lead on that. So then that's just one thing that I feel like I've taken over just to make sure everything's correct there from her doing, so, nice. which I really appreciate. Cause no I have kidding. no idea. I was going to say, shout out Megan. Yeah. I think we both do pretty much everything, but Daquan is definitely more so on like the, he's it's I feel like I'm a visionary and I have like a lot of different ideas, but he's like the one that like pushes things forward. Mm. He's the one that keeps things moving, I feel like. So, he does a lot of a lot of work. I feel like I focus more on like the social media stuff a lot of the times or a lot of the videos that you've seen out. I work on like kind of cutting those up or getting them to how we want them to be. So, I like to experience like play with those types of things and i love number i love seeing like the numbers on he's our analytics guy different things that we put out and i feel like a lot of times when it comes to the designs i don't make these designs at all but i try to like take whatever's in my mind and give it to our guy that you know tribe that makes the design and let him do his thing but we have people like daquan said his wife helps our guy hamza is in (laughs) pakistan (laughs) editing the videos you know we've had tanner uh huseman with videos helping with the photo shoot and the videography stuff um eden of course Mm -hmm. eden um doing all the merch stuff Mm -hmm. helped us with the website and just different questions that we had people we've had on the podcast just asking them ideas and different tips because a lot of them have been in our same shoes when it comes to wanting to start apparel and selling it and mm-hmm. um so it's like you said earlier when it comes to raising kids and raising family or whatever it takes a village and starting mm-hmm. a business i feel like it takes more than just us um but yeah we kind of do it all yeah, yeah. schedule people reach do. out to people it's a lot so 
we'll have a team soon, a, yep. big, a bigger team for us. Yeah. So agree. take some things off of our plate and we'll be able to focus more on the business side and really growing this thing to where we see it going. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. I love it. Good questions. Yes. I do want to get into our next part of our episode here um, because we have five things that we need you to answer as well. So let's go ahead and get into that. Okay. This is where you give us five tips, tricks, and hacks (laughs) on overstepping poverty on how you would tell yourself or anyone else. You're on the hot seat. All right. I love this. Okay. So I feel like this was my favorite portion, my favorite homework you guys gave me. Um, Cause I use a lot of this on a daily as far as awesome. on the unit, mm-hmm. but um, it's okay to fail aim for no regrets. Um, but realize mistakes are in any and everything. So mm-hmm. stop wasting your time on focusing on the negatives of the thing. Yeah. You know, just realize you're going to fail and that's okay. That's fun to fail. Cause you get to keep trying, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, hoka hey. That is Native American term, Dakota. It means it's a good day to die. This isn't one I share with the kids. Um, (laughs) But this is one that I live by because you hear it at first and you're like, oh, what? It's a good day to die. But this was said by Crazy Horse himself. Mm -hmm. Um, And it essentially means that you fulfilled all that you have wanted to. You have no regrets. That This is a good day for you to say, I've accomplished everything I wanted. It's a good day to die. It's a good yeah. day to like just let it rest. I've given it um, my all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's something that I've kind of lived by for a bit. This one's important. This is from my mom. You never have to do what you don't want to do. Mm. That was huge. I feel especially for a little girl too, that is huge. Mm-hmm. Cause there are so many pressures and I am definitely a pushover. So that was important for me to realize if I'm uncomfortable by this, I don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people will do uncomfortable things that, you know, you should try to do uncomfortable but safe things. Yeah. You safe. know, move towards safe. what you fear. But, Keyword. you know, knowing that you are in charge of your life and your choices, right. mm-hmm. they don't have to be so heavily influenced. That's my mom, too. That's my mom. Thank you. It's my mom for this episode, <laughs> all right? Okay. All sorry. right. Um, take up space. Mm. This is one that I tell myself daily. Take up space. Who cares? You are the main character. This is your story. Who are you to, you know, feel inferior or feel less than in these situations? Because, oh, you may be plus sized or you may have, you know, this sort of mental illness or you may be hanging out and doing this or looking just ragged. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But take up space no matter what state you're in. Be yourself. Try Mm -hmm. not to to conform. Love that. Boring. Heck yeah. This one is a good one that I use every day. You can only take people as far as you are willing to go. Mm. So as far as you are willing to go. So you can't fill an empty cup with an empty cup. So getting on that level, whoever you're working with, getting on that level with them. If people are struggling with their children, well, it's probably because you're not meeting them on your on their level mm. and you're expecting them to meet yours, mm. which you're an adult, so... Maybe reassess what you're asking. But yeah, just realize that has helped me take a step back from like tough behaviors or when things are just really tough on the unit. And it's like, okay, I have gone through what I have gone through to be where I'm at right here to help you through your journey and Mm -hmm. your trauma. Um, And that's not necessarily for everyone. 
we're not doing the same work as me, you know, but it's important, I would say for parents, but as far as like mentorships and such, you know, yeah. connecting with people. Yeah. Right. I love it. Yes. Good job. Thank you. Ooh, ooh. Well, we definitely appreciate all those tips, tricks and hacks. Um, there's some listeners that are going to take those. I mean, including myself, I am going to ask you again, what that, uh, Native American saying is because I think I am going to start using it. Uh, I'm just one with words. I love words, and um, that was that definitely resonated with me. You should so. share it again. Okahe. 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 H O K A H E Y. I love it. Okay. I love it. Okahe. Okahe. Well, thank you again so much for being with us today on the podcast here. Um, you have brought a lot of value, you know, to to our podcast here, as well as your teaching. So many people. Yeah. Um, you're, right now, once we do release this and whatnot, everyone that's listening, they're going to learn quite a bit from you, mm-hmm. as well as your kids. Once you show them this, I think they're going to learn a different, a different side of you as well. Mm-hmm. So that is great. Um, but other than that, Beads by Mo Design. You guys get on Facebook, uh, order some. Is there a website? Is there where can everyone? A, yes, a Facebook page, but I also am going to be opening up classes. I'd love to teach, not just, you know, sell beadwork. So mm-hmm. if you know any schools, organizations, mm-hmm. or if you're um, looking to learn. Yeah, how to if bead. you guys are looking to learn, it's it's a great time. Mm-hmm. Come learn. Reach out. Yeah. Yes. And also, Shameless plug, make sure you go to www.overstubbingpoverty.com. If you have thoughts of being on the podcast, that's where you can go and apply. And then also, if you're looking to get some merch and look clean like me, and like let's me. go yeah. get your hey, OSP. <laughs> let's go. All righty. All right. Until next time, thank you guys for all for listening to Overstepping Poverty. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Overstepping Poverty. We hope you found this week's discussion informative and thought-provoking. We know that tackling poverty is a complex issue, but by working together and understanding the root causes, we can make progress towards creating a more equitable society. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to our show. Until next time, let's take the next steps in Overstepping Poverty.